Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you bundle your renters and auto insurance with Progressive, you could save money. But it doesn't cover any terrible memories living rent-free in your head. You remember that time you were singing in the shower? And then you heard a knock on the wall? And then you realized that your bathroom shared a wall with your neighbor's bedroom? And all you could do was stand there silently, thinking about all the other things they may have heard in the four years you've lived there? (sighs) Yeah, good times. Sorry, we can't save you from that memory, but we could save you money bundling your renters and auto insurance with Progressive. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Renters insurance and bundle discount not available in all states or situations. We keep it in the Liverpool area. This time we turn to the blue side. You can follow his work at the Blue Room. Follow him on Twitter at MattJFootball. Matt Matt Jones joins us now to talk Everton Football Club. Dunny and Charlie, how are you, Matt? Good evening, lads. Yeah, doing pretty well. Excited to be getting back to uh, a full Goodison Park uh, at the weekend. Certainly should be an amazing occasion. Yeah, Saturday against Southampton, uh, coming off the end of the preseason. So, Matt, when we talked at the beginning of last season, there was a lot of optimism surrounding Everton Football Club, in particular because of the Rolodex of Carlo Ancelotti and the potential of the players that he was bringing to the club. How now has that, you know, how the goalposts move with Carlo Ancelotti leaving to take Real Madrid and Rafa Benitez and kind of the, the drawn-out appointment of Rafa Benitez. Um, how has that maybe changed the way everyone's looking at this Everton side? It's changed so much, but it's, you know, it's, it's weird to sort of put a, a gauge on it because we've not been in the stadium. You know, the last time I was at, at Full Goodison Park was in March 2020. Ancelotti was the manager then. Everton drew 1-1 with Manchester United then after a, a controversial VAR call robbed them of a, a 2-1 win and last gasp. And at that point, it sort of felt like they were making steady progress. Things were going okay. There was things that needed to be sorted out in the team, obviously. And, you know, they looked like they were sorted last summer with players like Alan, Decore, Ben Godfrey and, and James Rodriguez, of course, coming in. And, and like you said, at the start of last season, it all seemed to be going well. Everton was second in the table on Boxing Day and they ended up finishing 10th. And I think towards the end of last season, there were some concerns about Carlo Ancelotti's management and the way in which he was setting the team up, the, the fitness of the players. And you know, I have to admit, I had my doubts about how he was going to turn things around. And it seemingly looked as though the way he was going to turn things around this summer was by signing better players. And, and that's it. It was not going to be to do anything with coaching or conditioning. And then the club have sort of had the, the rug, but well, they did have the rug pulled out to them, I think, back in 
back in July, I think it was, or June, when when all of a sudden Real Madrid come calling. Carlo go, goes almost space of 24 hours and they're sort of lo- left looking around the managerial market going, well, there's not many great candidates here. Who are we going to go for? Um, and I have to admit at the time, I wasn't sure who they were going to go for and who they should go for, but I absolutely 100% didn't expect them to go down the Rafael Benitez route. And um, yeah, here we are sat here, you know, about 36 hours away from being back in Goodison Park. Benitez is going to be on the sidelines. And if someone had said that to me when I last walked out to Goodison Park <laughs> in March in March two, uh, 2020, that um, Liverpool, a Liverpool legend, a fellow who's banner is still on the cop, a fellow whose name's still regularly sung at Anfield, would be in charge of Everton. Uh, I absolutely would not have believed you. Matt, when you look at this Everton side this year, last year finishing 10th, only 47 goals scored. What's the expectations this year, considering it's mostly the same group? And who is going to pick up the goal scoring? Is it Calvert-Lewin? Is he going to go up a a step in his game? Is it Richarlison? What are the expectations for you? I think it's it's sort of more of the same. And, you know, speaking to supporters this week, I think, you know, it's not really a sense of apathy going into the new season. It's not a sense of negativity. I think it's just a bit of a, a feeling of resignation that this is either going to be mediocre and we're going to be about the same as we were last year, like I said, finishing 10th. Because aside from Andros Townsend and Damari Gray, who I think are, are decent signings, you know, they're not, they're not ones that are going to make you rush to renew your season ticket by any means. But the good players, I think Gray in particular, could be a a really smart piece of business for, for £1.25 million. Um, but I think there's a potential for this just to be steady, for Evans to be mid-table. But I think also there's equally a chance that this could go cataclysmically wrong and we could be looking at a situation where Everton are in a bit of a crisis point. Um, so I think that they're the expectations from a fan point of view. And I think you're right in, in terms of the goals. You know, One of the, the obstacles Benitez has got first up is there's two main goal scorers. Dominic Calvert-Lewin's only come back to training uh, a week ago and he missed the game against Manchester United, friendly game against Manchester United the weekend with a toe problem. So I think he's been doing individual sessions building up to this Southampton game. And Richarlison played his 15th game of the summer in the Olympic final last Sunday. And he's been back in training already at Everton and looks like he's going to play, can you believe it, <laughs> on Saturday. Um, no. which, which, is, which, is, which is remarkable. Um, so Everton are thrusting him back in and I think if, if if this was anybody else in charge of Everton and diff, any different manager, I think there'll be scope to be a bit more circumspect and to maybe hold them back and sort of say at the start of the season, you know, there's a long way to go. We don't want to rush these lads in. Um, let's let's hold them back and make sure we manage the condition after the way they played all summer and the way in which they played for Everton over the last couple of years. But I think what what is so important for Everton's season this year is that Benitez has to get off to a fast start because if Everton... You know, if Everton draw at the weekend, I can see a situation where there's booze and there's chance against them. And that's unfair, but it's going to happen because of who he is and what he's associated with. And that's the that's the sort of corner that Everton have backed themselves into a little bit with disappointment. I think I can sit here and, and sincerely say to you guys, I don't know if you believe me or I don't know if any Liverpool fans will believe me, but the Liverpool factor is not a problem for me personally. You know, if someone had said to me, Everton can have Jürgen Klopp as manager tomorrow or, or Brendan Rodgers, I'd say absolutely, you know, the, the world-class football managers. For me, it's about Benitez and what he's done recently and what he's done since he left Liverpool. But you can't ignore that emotional connection. And it is a thing, as much as I can sit here and say it's not a thing for me. You know, 
if Everton lose to, to Liverpool in a Merseyside derby later in the season and the Liverpool fans at Anfield or at Goodison are singing Benitez's name, I'm going to be really annoyed. I'm going to, and I'm going to get emotional. I'm going to feel it. And it, that's going to colour how I think about the team going forward. And I think it's going to be the same with a lot of supporters as well. So, so yeah, sort of round the houses a bit. But to answer your original question, there's going to be a lot on the shoulders of Dominic Carvalhoon again. There's going to be a lot on the shoulders of Richarlison again. Um, and I think that's why, even though both of them might not be fully fit, going into this game against Southampton on Saturday. He'll do absolutely everything he can to get them both on the pitch. Again, speaking with Matt Jones, follow him on Twitter at MattJFootball, his work over at the Blue Room. So, Matt, um, what, we go back to, what was it, like 17, 18, 200 million split, uh, then 100 million in the the, pre, or the next two seasons last year, somewhere around 75, when it was all said and done. How is this window being looked at by leadership, ownership, um, and the directors right now? Um, is this kind of a wait and see what kind of trickles out of these last two weeks before the window slams shut? I think it's ultimately a consequence of that reckless spending you mentioned in regards to, you know, I think fans have been frustrated over the last few weeks because they've seen some of the, the outrageous fees being spent by some of the elite clubs. And Everton have also seen, Evertonians have also seen clubs like Leicester and Aston Villa spend very wisely and, you know, make improvements to squads. Um, in the case of Leicester, maybe get further away than Everton will certainly get further away than Everton and in the case of Aston Villa who finished 11th last season even without Jack Realist look as though they could be on a par with Everton this season maybe even surpass them I don't know but I think I think it's you go back to those seasons you say about 17, 18 18, 19 and when when you're in that that summer and when you're reflecting on those summers a year on and you're saying how bad it's been you know as supporters you always say well this is going to catch up with us further down the line and I think as the seasons have gone on, it's not really caught up with Everton. Like I said, last summer they spent twenty million on Alan, twenty million on Decore, Rodriguez is on two hundred thousand pounds a week, twenty million on Ben Godfrey. So they still spent money last summer, but you can't just keep going on doing that. Uh, Everton were pretty much up against the wall in terms of the f- financial fair play. Anyway, they've obviously had the, what's going on with COVID, which has affected every football club. So I think that you know maybe this is one of the reasons why they've got Benitez in is they said effectively we need to reel this in a little bit we we can't carry on spending this much money obviously I don't know if you guys have seen this week but they've, they've started building work down at the Bramley Moor dock site as well yeah. Um, yeah. in regards to the stadium which is, looks like it's going to be built in, in three years football stadiums don't come cheap <laughs> you, you yeah. can't just rustle 500 million out to know you know I'm sure they'll get a finance package in place for it but at some point they're gonna have to pay that money back so I think they've just had to scale back a little bit. And it's really frustrating because you see parts of the squad like right back. And, you know, I love Seamus Coleman. He's been one of my favourite Everton players, you know, of the Premier League era. But he's 32 now. He plays well when he gets picked, but he's injury prone and he can't be relied on. And you see Everton being really strongly linked with Denzel Dumfries, who was obviously excellent at the Euros all summer. And they can't muster t- t- together the 12.5 million, I think it was, that Inter Milan have ultimately got him for. And, and that is frustrating. But, you know, when you're in those seasons of, of reckless spending, when you're spending money poorly and you're sitting there saying, God, we're going we're gonna to pay the price for this one day. This is where we are now. We are, this, is, this, this is Everton having to take the medicine. And I think unless they sell someone like Hamas Rodriguez, they sell someone like Moise Keane and can recoup a bit of money, then the squad we've got now will probably be the squad that, that goes into the new season. You you touched on it, James Rodriguez. Is this an opportunity for him to thrive under Rafa Benitez with this team, or do you just don't see him sit, settling in, and, and especially in the early part of the season? Southampton home, Leeds away, Brighton away, home at Burnley. Those are four games where Everton could probably pick up three points per game. Do you see yeah, him I mean, like settling in? 
Uh, no, I don't think so. Is, is the answer? I mean, I, 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 I don't know if you guys have um, have seen it tonight with the sort of reports doing the the rounds here. I think I think James Rodriguez is a um, prolific uh, Call of Duty Warzone player, and he streams all his games over over on Twitch. And he's obviously got supporters pestering about his future. And just in the last hour or so, he said he doesn't expect to play on Saturday. He doesn't really know what's happened um, with the season. And I've seen. Um, pretty reliable journalist from Colombia saying he's been training on his own the last week. Um, so it looks as though he's sort of been ostracised and it's crazy. You know, I think when it, when it came on last time, uh, Brian has sort of said that Everton have felt like a bit of a fever dream over the past year or so. You know, having Hamas Rodriguez, having Carlo Angelotti and we could have a situation where fans are back in on Saturday and you know, it's a full house, but we're still not going to see this lad play. You know, no yeah. Evertonian has been in a stadium and seen Hamas Rodriguez kick a football in a royal blue shirt. And, and that, that, is, that is a shame. But I think it sort of goes back to when Benitez was at Real Madrid. Yeah. And I think there was a pressure on him when he went to Real Madrid to play the front four of Bale, Benzema, Ronaldo and Rodriguez. And I think Benitez, being the pragmatist that he is, opted for Casemiro. Tony Cruz and Luka Modric. And obviously that went on to become an iconic midfield that dominated European football for years. But I don't really think he's he's caters for a player like Rodriguez, who is unbelievably talented, but you have to make allowances for in terms of his lack of defensive awareness. Um and again, like I said, you know, those reports are, are coming out that are quite early, but I'd be surprised if he was in the team on Saturday. I think all the training photos this week, all the footage of them doing sessions, he's not been in any of them. Um so Everton have got you know, it's, again, it's, it's another obstacle for him, isn't it? And, you know, I've already seen fans say, you know, we want to see Hamas play. Why isn't he picking him? Why isn't he getting him involved? You know, this is all Benitez's fault. Yeah. When in reality, if this was somebody else, you'd be saying, well, you know, players have been walking all over everything for years. Now it's good to see someone being a tough task <laughs> taskmaster with them because it's Benitez. Things are, are thought about differently. So, I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to see him come on and, and play. Just, just so, you know, just see that, that wonderful left foot um, yeah. in the flesh on Saturday. But uh, it doesn't look like it's going to happen, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and like you said, it, Rafa at at Real Madrid. I, I remember every time they would talk about Hamas Rodriguez, he's, ah, he's not fit, he's not fit. Hamas will go to Colombia, play two World Cup qualifiers back-to-back against like Brazil and Argentina, and he get back. He's like, ah, he's still not fit. It's like, wait a second, what? You must not really like this man. Again, we're speaking with Matt yep. Jones. Follow him on Twitter at MattJFootball. All right, so Saturday, uh, his work over at the Blue Room. Saturday, Southampton. Walk us through. Uh, it's going to be a full house. Is, is there... What, what is there anything that you guys COVID mask like? How does this all affect uh, walking into the stadium this weekend? Well, I think the first thing to say is that Everton are doing digital season tickets on the phone for the first time this Uh-oh. this year. And yeah, I only got mine through last night, so I think there's a lot of people panicking about it. They had an open day, um, they had an open day down there today to sort of get people used to it. And I'm not entirely sure how that went, but I think everyone's sort of planning to get to the ground early because they sort of anticipate that this is going to be a bit chaotic. But in regards to, to getting into the stadium, I think people are being encouraged to wear masks. But obviously, government policy over here says now that people don't have to, they don't want to. And I think Everton has sort of fallen in line with that. I think people, again, are being told they need to have vaccine passports and to, to show that they've had the vaccine. They've, um, Everton have also said that they might be doing some spot checks to check that people have had a, a negative uh, test in 48 hours before the game. So it's going to be a little bit different. But, um, you know, I was saying to you guys before we came on, I was lucky enough to get a ticket for the England-Denmark semi-final at the Euros in the summer. And 
you know, down there, it was it was very strict for that game. Sixty thousand people in, you know, everyone had to have a test, everyone had to have ID. You know, it seemed like it was going to be a, a lot more rigorous, and there was obviously still some restrictions in place then. But um, but yeah, I, th- I think everyone everyone seems to be being quite responsible with it. You know, I'm I'm usually one of those who gets into the stadium one minute to free. Um, takes me seasons as the kicking off, but I think you know even even myself and my group of mates who ago if we usually do that, we're planning on making it, making it down there a little bit earlier. And you know, it's just I think people will be desperate to get back in and, and desperate to savor the atmosphere again and, and see people they've not seen for for eighteen months. You know, there's there's people you speak to and and think about it at the match who you know get sort of woven into your life every fortnight yeah. who, who have not seen for for a long time. And I think that. That's all very exciting, but um, it's going to be a little bit different. But I'm sure once that you know that first beat of Zed cars kicks in, and once there's the first bad refereeing decision, and everyone screams at the opposition <laughs> or screams at an Everton player as it yeah. might be, uh, look at the team this season, then I'm sure we'll all very quickly slip back into gear again. So Matt, uh, what, what what's it like? Like what as you prepare for the game? Like give us some spots. Like if if you're an American fan and supports Everton <laughs> and has the opportunity to get up there for a game. What are, what are some of like your local spots that you would suggest everyone hit up? So I think when it comes to Everton and, and Liverpool, actually Anfield's quite similar. The best places to go are, are in Liverpool city centre. Um, and then you can sort of make your way up to the ground via a taxi, via train, via bus, that, that kind of thing. But I, I tend to go, it's, it's a road called Dale Street. There's a few places along there. And it's just sort of connects onto the main road uh, from Liverpool city centre. We Taxis come past all the time and you can just get up and, yeah, it's, you know, I've walked past these places sort of during lockdown, you know, I haven't lived in the city centre previously and seen them shut and it's been so sad and, you know, to see, to see them sort of deserted for, for so long. So mm-hmm. it's going to be weird being back there again. And I think as you sort of sort of get old, get quite deep here, but I think as you sort of get older, you know, and you know you have responsibilities and, you you know, life throws different things at you, you know, sort of seeing those people just in normal circumstances is, is more difficult. But the match is sort of immune to that. You know, it's, yeah. no, no one ever disputes that you can go to the football and see these people, have a drink with these people and spend four or five hours out of your weekend, you know, watching this defunct football institution that I follow <laughs> it's um it's sort of it's sort of beyond reproach and it's it's going to be fantastic to to have that back again but yeah any Evertonians or Liverpoolians who are who are over this season sampling one of those four stadiums get yourself down to Dale Street either to, to Rigby's or the Ship and Mitre and, and hop in a taxi up to up to the ground but uh, of course from three years onwards we're going to be down by the dock so it's going to be a an even shorter walk for us which will be quite nice albeit I imagine very cold and yeah. not the nicest walk in the winter months I was going to say uh, a little bit windy. Um, for those that don't understand, what what could the potential be? And I know we're kind of joking around about five hundred million pound and where you're going to find to finance this stadium. But how much would this mean to this fan base, to this city, uh, for the football club once you're able to get into that type of stadium? I think it'll mean a lot. It's I think first and foremost the the thought of leaving Goodison Park and walking out that stadium for the final time is, is something I'm not really ready to do yet. That would be, you know, an emotional day for, for everyone. But I think the new stadium, it's obviously I could sit here and speak about all the practical benefits and the fiscal benefits and how, you know, everything could generate more money. Um, but I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen the image images, but it just looks looks incredible. Um, it fits in amazingly with the, the dock uh, landscape down there on the city and I think people coming into the city on, on cruises, people flying into the city we'll, we'll see that and you know it is it is at the forefront of, of this great place where we live um, you know I'm, I'm a big Indianapolis Colts fan 
Um, again, another, another team that um, let me down constantly, unfortunately. <laughs> and um, it, it reminds me very much of Lucas Oil Stadium, you know, in regards to, to the, the brickwork and the um, and the glass and, and the way in which it's it's, it's going to be built like that. And I think, you know, the two cities in regards to the industrial heritage that you've got, you know, the blue collar workers that, that are there as well. I think there's, there's a lot of similarities to draw with that. Um, but I think, like I said, I think it's it's going to make a massive difference to Everton from um, a monetary point of view. Getting more people into the stadium, you know, there's a massive waiting list for season tickets at Goodison Park now is obviously great. Um, yeah, and I think people who, who are going, people who go to Goodison Park, particularly away fans, they tend to come away saying it's like watching the match through a letterbox because you've got the overhanging stand in front of you. And you can't really see that much. And, and while that's character, and while that's you know one of the reasons why we all love Goodison Park, yeah. it's. Um, it's not the most practical thing, but it's it's just going to be amazing. It's, you know, Everton have tried to move stadiums three times in, in my lifetime, and they've all come tumbling down for for various reasons. But this one looks like they've got it right at last um, in terms of the planning, in terms of the preparation, and in terms of what it's going to look like down on the, the banks of the River Mersey. Well, I love hey, it. It's, I, it's I was not there, it's not all it's not all glorious and gla- glamorous when you get a new stadium. Just just so you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, it's, I, I I appreciate that, but I think you know. Um, obviously, we won't know this until it's built. But yeah, yeah. to me, it feels like the the club have you know they've done workshops with people in the city. They've they've interviewed fans. They've interviewed you know former players. They've, they've asked people what it wants. And I don't think we're going to get a West Ham situation here where you know you need binoculars to see what's going on on the pitch. You know they have asked <laughs> the Evertonians. Ball of disappointment. What, yeah, the ball yeah, is going to go with Emirates here. The Emirates. <laughs> but you know they, they've asked Evertonians what they want, and they're taking part of Goodison's heritage down there in regards to the designs. They've got steep stands. It's close to the pitch. They've got a big stand behind the goal, which would know, obviously be a sort of like Gladys Street equivalent now. You know, it feels like they've listened to, to what the fans have said and they've ticked every single box in regards to the due diligence. You know, at, at the council meeting, lads, in uh, a few months ago when the council was sort of putting every single question to Everton about what this new stadium is going to mean, they asked them, where, where, where are all the bats that are living down there now going to live? <laughs> And they had an answer for it. They said, yeah. you know, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna put um, roosts for them to live in so they can, you know, be relocated there. So they've even thought about the bats, what's going to happen That's to amazing. all the bats that are down there on the front now. So I think that just goes to show the level of detail and planning they've, they've put into this. Um, and, you know, that's why I think we can start getting excited about this thing actually being built after three, like I said, three failed ground moves in the past. Well, looking forward to it, that in the future. Yes. Looking forward to this weekend, Saturday against Southampton. You can find his work at the Blue Room. Follow him on Twitter at Matt J Football. Matt Jones, appreciate the time, my man. Looking forward to the next conversation. Cheers, lots. Thanks for having me on. Northern Tool and Equipment isn't just a store. It's a problem solver's paradise. Fully stocked with the right professional-grade tools and fully staffed with experts who have the right answers. Problem solved. Northern Tool and Equipment Summer Sale is on now. Stop in and save up to 50% on pressure washers, sprayers, generators, fans, lawn and garden equipment, and more. Hundreds of deals in-store or at northerntool.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.